Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It is a privilege to once again have Pastor Mike Webb back with us tonight, so let's give him a warm welcome as he comes. Amen. It's good to be here. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of God. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of God. Amen. For the first 18 years, I wasn't so glad when they said that, and uh, then I got saved uh, and God gave me a new heart, a heart that loved to worship, be in the house of God, love the people of God. Uh, and uh, I do love what God has called me to. It's not the easiest profession to be called to, but uh, there is no higher calling than to deliver God's word. And so I'm very blessed to be with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look to the book of Esther, chapter 2. The book of Esther, chapter 2, and uh, I want to talk to you about finding favor uh, with the key being a winsome and an attractive spirit. Last year was um, a great year for me, two things that I always wanted to do, I got to do, uh, and they were both locations uh, that I was able to go to. One was the Hearst Mansion. Uh, in California, and for years I desired to see that. William Randolph Hearst uh, uh, built this elaborate mansion uh, in uh, off the coast of California there, and, and it was just a continual project that he embarked on for, uh, I don't know, 30 years, I believe it was, and continual renovations. Uh, you know, they had their own zoo there on the property, uh, he had a, a train that would come up from Los Angeles and weekly bring up Hollywood stars and celebrities up to, uh, you know, experience the good life. And, uh, and so he, this incredible thing, William Randolph Hearst had made the statement that, uh, and, and if you don't know who he was, he's a publishing magnet, uh, owned many, many newspapers. At one time, he declared that he could determine who was going to be the president of the United States. Uh, uh, so that's the power of the press. It didn't really work for him the last election. But uh, we know that influence, and he claimed to have it, uh, and he certainly was influential. The other place I was able to go was, uh, in stark contrast to that, was a barn. Um, and not just any barn uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was the Billy Graham Museum. And uh, I wanted to go there. I, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ in 1976, uh, hearing Billy Graham preach and on the television. And that's the first inklings of a calling to preach that I ever felt was uh, seeing him preach and saying, you know, I would like to do that. I'm not sure how many people he influenced to be preachers. Uh, I do know that he preached to 2.2 billion people in his live audiences and had 215 million decisions for Christ. And so 
those are some pretty powerful numbers, and that's not even talking about his television audiences or radio audiences. So, uh, But those two places, you know, this Billy Graham's museum was very simple, uh, you know, not ornate. It was a barn. Uh, he was raised in North Carolina and actually on the property. If you've been there, they have his house, childhood home, that they relocated and brought there. And uh, a very simple home, nicely acquainted, but very simple. Uh, and so you have this contrast of these two people, but there is a direct relation uh, between the two. And that was that in 1948, I believe it was, when Billy Graham was preaching in Los Angeles, California, his crusade uh, there in the tent that they had to extend, and uh, it was touching many people's lives. Uh, William Randolph Hearst said to his newspapers, push Graham. And so he became front page headline material uh, in the United States, and that really accelerated his influence. Uh, and, and so we would call that finding favor with man. And the Bible says in Luke 2.52 about Jesus, he increased in favor with God and with man. And I think there always is that element involved when the gospel uh, has impact, is favor with God and man. And that's something that we all need in our lives, and I believe is available to us. So I want to look at a classic case from the Bible of finding favor. And it's from a person, a very simple person, who was elevated to an incredible place. Uh, Her name is Esther. Uh, She became Queen Esther. And we're going to read uh, about her elevation and how that came about in this passage, verse of Esther 2 says in Shushan the citadel there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai the son of Jer the son of Shimei the son of Kish a Benjamite Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah king of Judah whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away and Mordecai had brought up Hadassah that is Esther his uncle's daughter for she had neither father nor mother the young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So it was when the king's command and decree was heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor. So he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Esther had not revealed her people or family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. Each young woman's turn came to go into King Azahurus after she had complete, completed 12 months preparation. 
according to the regulations for the women. For thus were the days of their preparation apportioned, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared, each young woman went to the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the woman's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women, to the custody of Sheaghaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. Now when the term came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Azahurus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tabeth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight, more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. So I want to begin by thinking with you about the undeniable reality that we all need favor. If we are going to accomplish what we need to accomplish in life. So here we have this story before us. The book of Esther is one of two Bible books that is named after a woman. And both of these women found great favor. And that's why we know about them. Uh, And as we begin to read, this story starts with the great celebration, this incredible power they had in Persia, or incredible party they had in Persia, where King Azahurus... uh, invited all the noblemen, all the rich and famous uh, from Persia and around about the area that Persia ruled uh, for this great party. And it went on for months. And uh, as they're partying one night, uh, uh, the suggestion comes, why don't you bring Queen Vashti? We've heard about her incredible beauty to come and dance. Uh, And obviously this would have been something lewd and... uh, uh, and so Queen Vashti, I have to admire her for the fact that she said, no, uh, my beauty is not for this whole world. Amen. Would to God that a lot of today's women would learn that. Can you say amen? Uh, but it seems like anyone who is attractive, or not anyone, but many, they want to promote that and publish that and reveal that to the world. But So we respect her that she says no, but she really probably didn't do it in the most tactful way and offended the king and made him look bad in front of all the cronies. And there's really nothing that quite gets under the skin of a man than to be humiliated publicly. All ladies could learn that little lesson from Queen Vashti. Uh, And so the suggestion is made, you know, if what she's done becomes public, that's going to set a trend that will reverberate throughout the kingdom. So this can't be allowed to stand. And so she is dismissed as queen. So now they have to replace her. Who's going to be queen? 
And the suggestion is made, let's have a beauty pageant, the first Miss Universe, if you will, of the world. And so, uh, I mean, they go all out in preparation for this uh, and draw all the beautiful women from the kingdom, the young and available single uh, women. And so they come and, and they invest a year's time to prepare them, making them beautiful. And so... Esther is crowned Miss Universe. I don't know, A.D. 5-something or whatever year that was, or B.C., I should say, 500 or whatever that was. I don't know the exact date, but she became really the first Miss Universe, and uh, she becomes his king. Now, this especially becomes important later on because she's going to need that found favor to influence the kingdom. Apart from her favor with the king, people are going to die. And so there is introduced to us the right-hand man of the king, Haman, and he is an anti-Semite, and uh, he doesn't like the Jewish people, especially Mordecai, and so he is determined he's going to use his influence and power to get the king to sign a decree that says there's going to be an extermination of the Jewish people. The king signed that. And uh, now this is going to come to pass. And Mordecai comes to Esther and says, who knows, but this favor you have found is for a purpose, that you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And uh, if you remain silent, then deliverance is going to rise from another. But it's going to affect you dramatically. And so uh, it wasn't allowable in those days to simply approach the king. Um, That was forbidden. And so only at his invitation could one come. But now she's got to break protocol and appear before the king to try to exercise some influence to get the decree to kill the Jewish people undone. And so she comes out, and and in chapter 5, we read the story as she makes her appearance there. You know, how's he going to respond? That he stretches forth uh, his royal rod, his scepter, and, uh, and which was an invitation to come. And she comes, and through her wisdom and influence, is able to get the king to sign another decree uh, that gives the whole Jewish nation favor and the Jewish people favor, and they're able to prevail. And what looked like certain defeat turns to certain victory. So this is a very powerful story. But I want to draw your attention that we really are in a similar position in the sense that without favor, people are going to die. Churches are going to die. Ministries are going to die. Promises die. Destinies die. I mean, the key to the fulfillment of God's purpose really does lie in finding favor. So when we think about favor, we think about grace. In fact, grace has been defined as unmerited favor. Now, I don't agree with that. You can look up the Greek dictionary, but I have to say that I don't believe that is at all an accurate description 
of grace. I don't believe it is unmerited favor. I believe it's fully merited. Uh, I believe that it comes on the merit of Jesus Christ, who did merit the Father's favor in our behalf. How many know redemption involves really two different aspects? It involves, first of all, the clearing out of the disfavor. I mean, we all are in a state of disfavor. We are under condemnation, aren't we? Uh, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world because it's already condemned. That is our natural state. And when Jesus died on the cross, he cleared from our account uh, the disfavor. But not only did he do that, but he also put into our account his favor. And now we stand in his merit. Amen. It says uh, uh, in Romans that, or actually 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he took our sin and gave us his righteousness, his merited favor. That's what grace is. But also, I don't believe that favor is disconnected from us and who we are. Now, we believe in synergism. There's two different approaches when it comes to how God relates to man and and, uh, deals with man. There's monergism. That would be Calvinism. That would mean that everything comes from God predetermined. He chooses who's going to be saved. Salvation is completely his act. Uh, He moves upon people's hearts. Uh, uh, They cannot resist that grace, so they are saved by a total work of God. Now, we would be in the camp uh, who believe in synergism, that God does move upon us, but we have to respond. Our response, our reaction is critical to the receiving of salvation and grace and favor. It's synergistic. And I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And I believe if you look at the history of the Bible, you'll always find that synergism at work. And so grace must be found 45 times in the Scripture. We read that. Or... How individuals obtained favor. We know that Noah found favor in the eyes of God and was spared. But he was a righteous man. There was something in his conduct that caused God to distinguish him with favor. And really that's what our desire is. Matthew 7, ask, it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. So this provision has been made available, but we have to access it. And thankfully, Jesus has made favor available for us. Leonard Ravenhill prayed this prayer. I like it. He said, Lord, we have heard of your great deeds, of your fame, of revival, of people running to meet you, 
of people of anointing walking past them and them coming under conviction and repentance, of people being drawn to church and meetings, of people encountering you, of nations being transformed by the power of your Spirit. Lord, we have heard and we hunger for that for our nation. It's personal, Lord. My family needs to experience your salvation. Lord, come reveal yourself to this generation that they might rise and proclaim the greatness of your ways, that they may live with no compromise, making you real to those around them. Let it sweep through our nation like a raging fire, like a wildfire. Let us arise and be who you have destined us to be. Let us be your body here on earth, your ambassadors, your children. Let the family resemblance grow And may it be that when people see us and know us, that they are drawn to you. Let us arise and pray, really pray, really seek your face. Lord, we have heard of your fame and we have heard of revival and we have heard and read that they begin with prayer. But yet we are content to pray lightly, pay lightly. Come stir us, Lord. I want to see the glory of God invade this generation. I like that prayer. Amen. God, help us to experience what we have heard about in times past. It's not enough to hear about all the wonderful things that have happened and God has done, and those truly are real. But Lord, do it again. And do it with us. Let us be the recipients of your favor. So, In light of that, I want to thank with you from the story of Esther about this indispensable requirement. And that is winsomeness and attractiveness. Esther found favor. Why? Because she was beautiful. A very attractive woman. Now, before you say, well, that disqualifies me, uh, amen, I think we all could say that, but true beauty is more than the outward package. Biblical beauty is more than just the outer appearance. And I think we see that in Esther. Imagine all these beautiful women gathered together. I mean, who's to say? They're all beautiful in their own way, but Esther stands out because she had an inner beauty that reflected outwardly. It says in in verse 7 of our text, the young woman was lovely and beautiful. In other words, she was the complete package in form, in appearance, in personality. And so it says that she was pleasing. Verse 9. Now the young woman pleased him. Speaking of Haggai, the one who was in charge of all the women. And she obtained his favor. And then we read that she also found the favor of the people. In verse 15 it says, And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. And then finally, the king in verse 17, she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all. Now it's 
possible to be outwardly attractive, but something about that beauty causes people, rather than to be drawn to you, to be repelled by you. But not in Esther's case. She had a winsomeness about her that would cause you to want to bless her and benefit her and help her. And it's that inward beauty, that winning spirit and attitude, which the Bible really holds out as what real beauty is all about. First Peter 3, speaking to the wives, wives likewise, they be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, without a word may be one. Something that's winsome or winning in the wife that actually wins her husband to Jesus. By the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, therefore do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. Now this isn't just for women, because probably the, you know, the comparison to Esther would be Joseph. And it does say in Genesis 39.6 that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. But how many know that what really impresses us about Joseph, and how can you not like Joseph? I mean, for most people, he's their favorite Bible character because he has such a great attitude. He goes through so much stuff, but wherever he goes, he finds favor with, you know, here he is, is he's put in slavery, and before long, he's in charge of the whole household of Potiphar. And then he's put in prison. And before long, he's in charge of the whole prison. And wherever he goes, he finds favor till finally he's in charge of all of Egypt, the greatest kingdom in the world, because he has a winsomeness. People are drawn to him. How about King David? It's a good example of that. You know, when Samuel's called to go and anoint the king, he looks at at Jesse's firstborn and said, surely this is the Lord's anointed Judging by the outward appearance. He had it all. But God says to them, to him, he said, no, I've rejected him because I don't see as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So those who study beauty, human attractiveness, uh, they say that to be the perfect specimen of beauty Uh, your face has to be one and a half times as long as it is wide Uh, I think that disqualifies me because I have more of an oval face and the numbers must be equal from the forehead hairline let's see where does my hairline start Uh, to a spot between the eyes and Also, between the eyes to the bottom of the nose, and then from the bottom of the nose to the chin. In other words, you should be symmetrical. And and then, obviously, the length of the nose, and 
the shape of the eyes and of the ears. It all is, comes together. And most of us would not qualify. Uh, I was preaching in uh, Santa Monica, California, and uh, I was preaching a revival there. So every day I would drive from uh, my mother-in-law's house, which is just north of there, and I would have to drive down the Pacific Coast Highway through Malibu. You know, these are the beautiful people. But they're not so beautiful. In many cases, inwardly. In fact, they can be very ugly. And Vashti became ugly in her spirit. I mean, I admire what she did, but what she did, she did in the wrong attitude. I think she could have handled her refusal to parade her beauty in front of all the world in a more diplomatic way. But she didn't do that, and so she fell from favor. And I've seen people fall from favor. Talented, gifted, capable people because of a lack of winsomeness in their spirit, in their character, in their personality. As I was at the Billy Graham uh, Museum there uh, and touring, I was very impressed by it actually because they preached the gospel. They actually gave an altar call. It's like, okay, we're going to make this about Jesus, not just about Billy Graham. And I thought, that's great. But afterwards, we were touring the grounds around and uh, where Billy Graham eventually was placed when he died. He died just a couple of months after we were there. But uh, I stopped at the at one of the uh, cemetery places, one of the burial places there, and was in front of Cliff Barrows. How many remember Cliff Barrows? He was Billy Graham's song leader. And uh, so I was just there reflecting, and it brought back a memory I had from 1981. I was in Kansas City uh, at the American Festival of Evangelism with Pastor Warner and... uh, we had been in Foursquare, and Foursquare had done some things kind of bad to our fellowships. They were kind of making a peace offering, and one of the peace offerings is they said, you can be, you know, speak on our behalf at this American Festival of Evangelism. And this festival had all the big names, um, Louis Palau, Adrian Rogers, and Billy Graham speaking there. And so we went to one of the morning prayer meetings. In fact, we went to all the prayer meetings, but we were there and uh, it was kind of a strange prayer meeting because we were there in the Kansas City Auditorium there that, and it was rather big. And, uh, and so the guy said, we're going to pray, but what we're going to do is when you pray, we're going to break off into groups of four. And so when you do that, we want you to, with your group of four, have everyone pray say four words, and then the next person continue the next four words, and so on and on, and keep going around and around, which is just kind of like weird, right? I mean, they, oh, Lord, I, and then the next person takes over. It just was like, we realized right away in our group of four, we did gather together in a group of four, but one of the, the person that was in the group was Cliff Barrows. And so I got to meet Cliff Barrows. I I didn't, I, I recognized his face, didn't really know exactly who he was, but um, I have to say that just in the short time that I had to be there with him, uh, I, he really was winsome, truthfully. I mean, I, he projected this 
feeling or thought that you really were important. I, I, I don't know, just a short interaction, but, you know, here we are, Pastor Warner and I were young at that time, and, uh, you know, we're new kids on the block, you know, and we're really nobodies, but he tra- treated us like we were somebodies. That's, I just felt that, like what we had to say was just as important as anything he had to say. So he, he had no airs about him, or like, hey, we're the successful people, or, you know. In fact, that he was even there at prayer meeting praying with us says something about him, someone of his obvious busyness. And and so I was just thinking about that, reflecting on that. And I went and read about his funeral service that took place, and Someone got up at his funeral and said that he didn't really consider himself special, but treated everyone specially. And I could say, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. And people throughout this his funeral service spoke of his random acts of kindness for people that he knew and that he met. And so I began to think about the Billy Graham crusade, even Billy Graham himself. That was their spirit, that was their character, that's who they were, is they were very real. Now, some people, you say, oh, you weren't hard enough against the Catholics, and you know, you should have made this stand and done that, but he really wanted to make it all about Jesus and the gospel and not do anything that would in any way hinder his ability to preach the gospel to everyone, and, and they did that, but this spirit of goodness, so we're talking about favor incredible favor and impact we're also talking about a spirit and proverbs 11 tells us in verse 27 he who earnestly seeks good finds favor and proverbs 12 verse 2 a good man obtains favor from the lord E.W. Tozer said this, Much of Christianity overlooks the fact that if we are led by the Spirit of God and if we show forth the love of God this world needs, we become the winsome saints. The strange and wonderful thing about it is that truly winsome and loving saints do not even know about their attractiveness. The great saints of the past did not know they were great saints. If someone had told them, they would not have believed it. But those around them knew that Jesus was living his life in them. So, rather than looking outwardly, when we think about favor, it's good to look inwardly. I want to close by drawing your attention to the intensive preparation that was required in this beauty contest that we read about. Verse 12 describes not a day at the spa, but a year at the spa. You know, any husband here, maybe next uh, Valentine's Day, if you want to bless your wife, give her a year at the spa. Uh, So, as we read, it says here... um, According to the regulations for the women, for thus were the days of their preparation apportioned. Six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. And I would suggest that, you know, if you could take beautiful people and make them even more beautiful by a process 
that you could probably take people like us and make us more winsome through a process. Two-step process. Six months, oil of myrrh. Now, my daughter, she uh, has a little uh, shop called Crimson and Clover, and she makes lotions and potions and sells them and stuff like that. So I actually asked her, hey, make me some oil of myrrh. And she said, well, I can, if it's just myrrh, it's going to be sticky, so it needs to be combined with other stuff. And she put some oba oil and some flavors in there to make it smell nice. And, and so uh, she gave it to me, and I was using it for a while. I actually ran out some time ago, but... Uh, need a new bottle but it actually helped my appearance believe it or not I mean every night go to bed put it on and uh, and but I was inspired by this if it worked for her maybe it could help me who knows it's worth a try (laughs) so if we could help our outer appearance you know if you put oil on, those dry, crusty areas will eventually soften up, right? It's a lesson many men could learn. I'm sure their wives would appreciate it. But um, Isaiah 61.3, He will give us the oil of joy for mourning. Amen. Beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Six months of perfumes, maybe essential oils that they used. That's become the big thing now, essential oils, but they were used way back then. So the Bible does talk to us about Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You know, this sweetness that comes through our sacrifice, our walking in love, genuinely caring about people, willingness to set our lives aside for their benefit. And I don't believe we ever are too old to improve our appearance. Amen. Benjamin Franklin believed in virtue. And uh, he believed that if a person was virtuous, they would find favor in life. They would be successful because of the inward virtues that they possessed. So at a young age, he determined at the age of 20 that he was going to be virtuous. And he laid out 12 virtues that he would give himself to in each week of Uh, During the year, he would focus on one of those virtues. Things like being industrious or or being kind, patient, various things like that. And and he worked on that because he had this goal, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be the perfect man. Soon that list of 12 expanded to 13. He explained the reason said, my list of virtues contained at first but twelve, but a Quaker friend, having kindly informed me that I was generally thought proud, that my pride showed itself frequently in conversation, that I was not content with being in the right when discussing any point, but was overbearing and rather insolent, of which he convinced me by mentioning several instances, I determined 
I had determined endeavoring to cure myself, if I could, of this vice or folly among the rest, and I added humility to my list, giving an extensive meaning to the word. So imagine living your whole life to seeking to beautify your inner spirit. He said this when he wrote his autobiography at the age of 79, 69 years of this commitment to this beauty process. He said, though I never arrived at perfection that I'd been so ambitious of obtaining, but fell far short of it. Yet I was by the endeavor a better and happier man than I otherwise should have been if I had not attempted it. He's saying it was worth the effort. I'm glad that I made this the focus of my life to radiate uh, virtue and winsomeness and beauty and to pay attention to that. I watch people over years, trials, struggles, challenges come. And what once was a radiant Winsome spirit, that flower blooming, sometimes closes up, withdraws, and life steals from them this winsomeness, this beauty of spirit. And we can't allow that to happen. Amen. Favor is found, it's obtained. It's not automatic. We are undeserving, but Jesus has merited in our place. And so I believe that it would be entirely appropriate for you and I to spend the rest of our lives seeking to reflect that inward, that grace that God has deposited into us outwardly to the world and find favor with God and man. Let's bow our heads together. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed just for a moment as we allow the Holy Spirit to Help us and deal with us, finding favor. Really, when we come to Christ, we're finding incredible favor. Because we deserve judgment. We've all sinned, the Bible said. We've fallen short. But because Jesus loved us, died on the cross in our place, We don't have to live eternity in the disfavor of God. We can live eternity in the favor of God. If we'll come to Christ and accept His gift of salvation. Are you saved? Are you living for God? Are you in a right relationship with the Lord tonight? If not, you can be. You can repent of your sins. God can heal you and touch you. Can we pray for you? You hear and you're not saved like to give your life to Christ. While our heads are bowed, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me. I'm not right with God tonight. Include me in your prayer. Amen. Thank God this young girl, little girl. Anyone else, you lift your hand and say, I want to give my heart to the Lord. Amen. Or maybe you're backslidden. One time you served the Lord, but you're away from Him. You want to come and rededicate your life to Christ. We want to pray for you as well. Slip up your hand back down. Amen. Hallelujah. Finding favor. Amen. 
I think that for every one of us, there are areas that we could use God's beauty treatment applied to our spirit, character, can grow in grace. Amen. We can put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So we're going to stand. I want to open the altars if God has challenged your heart, stirred you to believe. Find a place to pray, man. Get before Him. Let Him help you as we worship God in this place.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.